You are listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with DJ Evil Dave and Starfleet International Lieutenant Commander Randy Jacoby. Brandy's back. Hello. And Brandy's front. And Brandy's front. Yes. <laughs> kind of squeezing a couple of episodes at the end of the month. This mm-hmm. and the bonus. Mm-hmm. It's so, been a busy month. Yeah. Which means we have a lot to discuss so much that we were picking and choosing things to leave off. <laughs> yes. Well, there were some things I'm like, I don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Nightmare Ollie, do we really have that much to say about it? No, we really don't. No, we really don't. We really don't. Like I was just like waiting for there to be a story here. And even after we were done taking notes, I was like, "Oh yeah, we got the RPG from Marvel playtest rulebook in the mail. Maybe I'll see a little bit about that. I don't know." Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, is it worth talking about? Because it's a mm. mess, it's a, you guys. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's messy, and you can follow people talking about it on Twitter, and a lot of them are of the same mind. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh, this. A bit unwieldy, and with so many RPGs out, you're really doing this with it? Yeah, it's just not a good idea. Here's the thing, people who create role-playing games, don't chunk it up with a bunch of math. (laughs) We don't give any fucks. We give zero fucks about math. Don't do it. Yeah, when uh, Dungeons and Dragons got away from to hit armor class zero and to just basically this number beats this number. Uh So much simpler. You don't have to work with scales. And my DMs, they would have a little scale that you could do that you chart where you have to roll to hit armor class zero. It's like, oh, this is just annoying. Yeah, I... That number beats that number. I never understood it. Yeah. I never understood it. Armor class zero is weird. And and I said to you, you know, yesterday, this is why I had a problem with learning Magic the Gathering. I'm Mm -hmm. like, there's... (laughs) This doesn't make sense. This is so fucking convoluted. (laughs) Okay? Let's play Pokemon cards instead, okay? Because that... You can understand. <laughs> yep. Yeah, granted, it's made for kids to mm-hmm. understand, but it was still fucking fun. Yep. You still have those cards. I do. They're under the bed. Yep. So, <laughs> so anyway, well, yep. RPG makers don't make it boring with math. People don't care about adding shit up and figuring out all of these skills and what this number is and what that number is and how you subtract this number and add this number and multiply it by this in order to get what <laughs> attack you have. Stop it! What disappointed me most was their archetypes, which is like their class system mm-hmm. that is so geared towards combat mm-hmm. that it really pigeonholes your character into that's what their utility is. Yep. And if you want, or like a kind of role player I am, that you like the collaborative st- deep world-building storytelling, combat is just the flavoring. It's just a spice, you know, just to spice up, you know, the story with occasional action set pieces. It's not the main thing. Yeah. And so when you have classifications like bruiser, blaster, striker, protector, 
you know, these ones that are very specifically geared towards combat and a lot of the language that I was reading through, I read three chapters of it. It's so specifically geared towards fighting and conflict. And that's kind of a criticism of comic books and comic book movies anyway, mm. is everything gets resolved with violence. And that's really not the thing we should be teaching people. Yeah, well. Is, you know, how, how to deal with Differences of opinion as you punch the other guy? Well, the, the, here's here's the thing that bothers me about uh, combat. The combat is the least interesting part of role-playing. Yeah, in Dungeons & Dragons, and a lot of the actual play podcasts will talk about that. It's like how they have the most fun doing character stuff. Yeah. And then when it comes to a fight scene, it's like, oh, let's roll dice and do math. Yeah, it's just... It's like... Ugh. What takes place in your mind for a combat system, you know, combat's quick, it's it's percussive, it's like a, like Jackie Chan says, it's like a music number mm -hmm. in a musical, is how a fight scene should work out. There's there's a rhythm and music to it. Absolutely. And it also progresses the story like a good song in a musical does. Yeah. But in tabletop role-playing, it often grinds to a halt to just compare numbers and see how many hit points this thing loses. Yeah, it's just, it's basically they put this out for like $10 and mm -hmm. they want people to play test it and you can actually give input to the developers yep. about the game and its rules and stuff like that. Well, I haven't even read through any of the book because just flipping through the pages, I'm like, this is too much information. It's very dense. I, I just, what I want to say is simplify. Yep. Simplify it because there's the ability scores and then there's a modifier and the ability score might be eight. And then you look at the modifier and it's like plus 29 and you're going, that's too big a number. Mm -hmm. If you're dealing with adding eight plus 29 plus what they call the 616, which is their special three die six thing, because there's a Marvel die that if you roll a one, it's, it's counted as six. And then it's a fantastic bonus on top of that. Yeah, because the Marvel Universe that we, quote-unquote, are in is Galaxy 6, or Universe 616. Yeah, it's the prime Marvel Universe is the yeah. 616 Universe. And so, also the stats, spell out Marvel, might, agility, resilience, vigilance, ego, and logic. Okay, let me just throw up in my... <laughs> mouth a little bit and so a lot of things are geared around brand recognition which is off-putting too mm -hmm. it's like couldn't it just be three die six does it have to be six one six i they well it is a multiverse thing yeah so i understand why they put the six one six stuff in there here's the thing i'm a marvel girl mm -hmm. you know it i mm -hmm. know it i have loved marvel since i was four fucking years old and yep. read my first captain america comic yes i could read it for <laughs> I wasn't just looking at the pictures I could read. And I just don't like this at all. I don't like no. what they're doing with, yeah. this, with this role-playing game. They they had the chance to make something really great mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and adapt a system that, you know, works. Yep. And, you know, I was looking through the, like, oh, what profession could I, would I want to have? And I'm like, scientist. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'd be the scientist. And, yeah, they do say that there's more coming because there's only oh, yeah, yeah. There's, so much this is that's a, in this, this book. This is a sampling. Yeah. Yeah. Because they only really put, like, one villain type and it was, like, a Hydra soldier. Yeah. And it's like, we need a bit more than that. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like a beginner's. It's mm -hmm. like a starter thing yeah. where it doesn't give you everything. And that's that's the whole point is that they want people to play test it. 
mm-hmm. and then give them feedback. I don't need to play test it <laughs> to let you know that it sucks. Yeah, it's unwieldy. I don't like the rank system. Mm-hmm. Rank is determining how powerful you want your characters to be. And you could do like a Marvel thing where there's multi-ranked people. Like you have your lower rank Hawkeye type character and their higher rank like Thor in the same team. But how would that be fun for some people as compared to others? You know, playing this super, super powered person and the not so powered. But rank determines everything. Mm-hmm. And so when you choose like you want to be mid tier 15 rank. That determines your ability score point by. That determines how many skills you get. That determines how many powers you get. It All across the board. You can't like pick and choose. You can't go, okay, I want low ability scores, but a lot of powers. Yeah. Or I want low powers, low ability scores, but a whole bunch of skills. Which is the way I'd want to play it. Where you can twerk and tweak those little aspects to customize exactly the character you want to play. But it's not that way. It's, it's got this classist system that the higher rank you are, the more of everything you get. And so if you're like a zero ranked character, you might have, you know, two skills, one power, and very few, very low, weak ability scores. I feel like twerk should actually be an option too. Twerk? Yep. <laughs> I, know you meant oh, just, I didn't something... even say tweak. Looking through the powers too, like one of the powers is banging two heads together of your opponents. That to me shouldn't be a separate power. That should be no. a subset of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And so you shouldn't have to dedicate something that somebody else could be like an energy blast to just bang some of these heads together. So yeah. even the power system seems flawed. Yeah. So uh, you can tell I'm not impressed. Yeah. And I've been role-playing since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I've done multiple systems. And this one is a bit of a mess. Yeah, that is a polite way of saying it. And it sounds like they're already really in the late stages, like they want to publish next year. Oy, I think they need to rehaul, rehaul, reopen. Let me try that again. (laughs) I'm going to start that sentence over. I think they need to overhaul the entire thing. Yeah, it's like just scrap it and rebuild. It's not good. Because, yeah, unwieldy. It even says in the rule book you may need a calculator. No! absolutely (laughs) fucking no and the target the target numbers for your difficulties run from eight to 40 that's 32 different target numbers for difficulties no 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 that's too complex a system if you need a calculator Mm -hmm. you have failed in the creation of your role-playing game and often like with D, when i Set a difficulty, it'd usually be 5, 10, 15, 20, something like that, where it's just, you know, easy, routine, difficult, impossible, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And just, you can kind of guess to make by what somebody rolls, whether they pass or fail, depending on, mm-hmm. you know. But this is like, and then there's modifiers on top of that. Oh, no, that, no, mm. let's stop talking about it. my head hurts. <laughs> and the numbers don't seem to mean anything because they say that standard humans, their ability scores would be from a minus four to a four with zero being average. And so a super powered character could have an ability score of eight, but that doesn't tell me anything. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to read more about three chapters in, and I still don't know what an eight really implies. Uh, All hail to D&D 5e, because honestly, (laughs) it doesn't have to be like Uh, that. It's way complex. Just don't do that. If you're trying to make yourselves look smart, you are failing. (laughs) No, it should be simple. It should be intuitive. It should be 
really the best role-playing games i think should be pick up and play mm-hmm, absolutely a lot of the one pagers mm-hmm. that people love like honey lasers heist. and feelings honey heist yeah honey heist I love it's lasers like, and feelings. Yeah, you just pick it up and it's like, okay, you get these dice. If you roll below this or above this, you succeed or fail. And just yeah. have that at so Got to pick a number yeah. between one and six. What's your number? <laughs> <laughs> Monster yeah. of the Week, that seems to be a pretty yeah. straightforward system. That's Just do something straightforward. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to play in a tabletop game what a video game does behind the scenes in your RPG. Yeah. Your video game RPG, it's doing all that math. It's doing all that shit. You don't have to have a calculator. Yeah. And even looking at their archetype system, the same ability score would mean differently depending what archetype you're playing. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> and so if you're playing like a genius your might might have a different modifier than if you're playing a bruiser. No. Oh, no. And your ability score should just represent what that ability score represents. If you're going to play a stronger character, have a higher score. You shouldn't have to have a different multiplier depending on what archetype you're playing. Yeah. That's like saying a, a paladin would have a different strength than a rogue if they were both set at 18. It's okay, like, no, they'd no. be exactly as strong as one another because that's the way that works. But okay, I guess I'm done griping. Yep, that's okay. We haven't <laughs> even gotten to news and reviews, which I just thought of something we should have added to that. Okay, shall we get into news and reviews now yep. that I got the uh, playtest thing off my chest? Yes. All right. Starting with the oldest thing, we never talked about Come From Away. We never did talk about Come From Away, speaking of stage musicals. Oh my god, so fucking good. Yeah, what a crazy story too. It's about, what is Newfoundland Island? Newfie, yeah. yeah. Uh, Newfound- Newfoundland, uh, basically 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of planes were diverted. Yep. And they had nowhere else to land but this island. This I airport on this island. Yeah. And not even so much the airport. I mean, mm. they were just, they were everywhere. There were so many planes. Mm. And the community just like, okay, we'll take care of these people. Yep. Put them up into homes and Fed hotels. Them, and Provided them clothing, toiletries, yep. mm-hmm. uh, basic necessities. Yep. People you know. all over the world. Yeah. Ending up being holed up on this little island. Yeah. And... So all the cast members will play multiple roles yes. and do costumes, which is basically on stage. Yes. you They never go off stage. They never go off stage. There's no yeah. intermission. Mm-hmm. The band is like uh, in the wings, mm-hmm. basically. And playing kind of like this folksy, kind of almost Celtic sort of music mm. just to kind of capture, you know, that... That, that newfie feeling. Yeah, the newfie feeling. Yeah, that the music is in that tone for the most part. But yeah, like the airline pilots will put on an airline jacket and then do a thing and then take off the jacket and have like flannel underneath and be one of the newfies. It was amazing. The way it was staged was amazing. Mm-hmm. The musical numbers were amazing. I was never bored. Like how one of the bus drivers would communicate with this African group. Who had no idea what was going on. They were just being bussed away. Mm-hmm. And there were soldiers around and stuff. And they're like, what the hell's going on? 
and you realized, oh, they're carrying the Bible. We're carrying the Bible. We can find references mm -hmm. and Psalms and point them out as like, this is what's going on. It's like you have safe passage here kind of thing. And so using that to communicate was just a stroke of genius. Mm -hmm. And this, this is all true events yep. that they are recreating in this musical. Yeah, that the planes were, they're meant to be working. Mm -hmm. Just constantly in the air, getting refueled, refurbished, back into the air again. Yeah, so, they need to be moving, yep, not sitting. If they're sitting there on the tarmac... It's well, like, they weren't even in tarmac yeah, in a lot of places. Yeah, the roads were starting to basically yeah. sink under the weight of these planes. Yep. And the engines were like, no, they need to keep going. If mm -hmm. these engines stop, it's it's not good. They get all cloggy. And... It's, yeah, it's not like a car. No. It was, it was so good. It was so amazing that I even bought the soundtrack because... Mm -hmm. Um, it was amazing and it was it was filmed live right and I think it was like the first performance of this show back after they started doing shows on Broadway again right. and so it's a relatively recent filming you can find it on Apple TV um, if you have Apple TV I suggest that you watch it even if you're not hugely into musicals just for knowing the story yeah and at the end Chris they'll compare the pictures of the actual people with the cast members. Yep, yep. And there are some changes, and, you know, just because that's how casting works sometimes, but often it's like, oh, yeah, I see that. I have, I don't know if I've ever seen a cast like that work so well together because there was no star. No. There was no lead. No. Everybody had multiple roles. Everybody mm -hmm. had equal time doing their things. It was a true ensemble piece. Yep. Person that would play one airline pilot would play like the sheriff in town or some foreigner that was stuck on the island and trying to figure things out. Yeah. And it's it's just so good, you guys. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. It made me cry. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of musicals, shall we go, go into the next one? Yep. We saw... Ass-assins. Ass-assins. Brandy's friend, Aaron, is in it. Yes, my little brother from another mother, separated at birth by 23 years. And I'm not a big fan of Sondheim, but I actually liked this one. Yeah, I am not a fan of Sondheim either. Oh my gosh, I know all of the theater nerds, their mm -hmm. hearts are breaking right now. It's just a preference. Yep. It's just an opinion. I'm not saying anything bad about <laughs> any of his work at all. It's just not for it's me. It's not geared it's towards not me. me. It's a little too cynical, even for me. Mm. And I don't really like his songwriting style. Mm. And uh, that's about it. Yeah. I wasn't exactly excited yeah. to see it. I was excited to see Aaron in it. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't excited to actually see it. But I was entertained. Yeah, it's a fascinating story, especially with gun violence in America even now mm -hmm. and how that's represented by the, I forgot the name of the character that distributes the gun. Uh, basically the ringmaster. Proprietor, sort of proprietor. I think. Proprietor, yeah. right. Yeah, which is interesting because both the proprietor and the balladeer you're telling me are usually performed by men. Men. In fact, in uh, one of the Broadway versions, I believe that the the balladeer is uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Right. That's what Aaron said. Basically, with both of those, they were just uh, singing an octave higher, singing the same yeah, things, but an octave Yeah, both higher. were performed by women in this performance. Which, for me, I'm like, no, I could have sung the guy's part. Yep. Because I can sing tenor. <laughs> yeah, tenor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so proprietor is basically the one seducing mm. the assassins and handing them a gun. It's like yeah. how how to make your life special, how to be heard, how to be seen. Oh, all I that need to sell bullshit. more copies of my book, so I'm going to. Yeah, that was Aaron playing the character <laughs> who shot. God, who did he shoot? Fuck. I can't remember. I can't remember either. There were so many. Because I know, my. I think My Favorite Murder even did a thing on it, and I still can't. Was it Wilson? Doesn't that sounds wrong for some reason? But yeah, he he was a super Christian dude who had many lives. He's one of these guys that just did everything, and he wanted to be ambassador to France. And the suggestion was he was a bit off his rocker. Mm. He ended up getting hanged. Right. But one of the reasons why he assassinated the president was to sell his book uh yeah it was uh, garfield i was oh, gonna say garfield. it was garfield that's right because he was he was charles gateau right yes so. yes 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 yeah. yes yes he shot garfield right had squeaky from with the gun being you know the safety on <laughs> okay now those two ladies both her and the woman playing sarah jane moore oh my god mm-hmm. the comedy between those two just unbelievable really good chemistry Mm-hmm. Just one being, you know, high school friends with Charles Manson, and the other one being basically his lover, and the two of them joining forces in his cult. Yeah, it was uh, it was done in a black box theater, which means exactly what you think it yep. means. Uh, it was a very small stage. Yes. Yeah, it was very intimate. Oh yeah, we were front row, and yeah, I could, if my legs were long enough, I could reach out and put my feet on the stage. I could have yeah. done that because my legs are long enough. Um, yeah. And they'll sit on the edge of the stage, too, so they'll be right in front of you. Yeah, literally. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to look at the people right in front of me because they wouldn't be looking at me because that's uncomfortable. Yep. That is yeah. uncomfortable. Especially that's the too, chorus would do that yeah, a lot. Yeah, too intimate. Yeah. So, yeah, I have no qualms whatsoever about any of the performers. I feel like the music was too loud sometimes. Yeah, it would drown out the lyrics, which yeah. is not what you want in a show like this. No. Because the lyrics are kind of the point it was uh an experience that i don't regret yeah well it's interesting because john wilkes booth plays a very heavy role in it plus lee harvey oswald and it's kind of like the bookends Mm -hmm. and so you have all these assassins in between that people probably wouldn't know the name of yeah except for these two that bookend them and so everybody between the two of them you know because it becomes like it's all about the connections which is why they tr- seduce Lee Harvey into mm-hmm. uh, assassinating Kennedy is to give their lives meaning and to make people know them and to put them on a list of presidential assassins. Yeah. It's like, um, that's, that doesn't make you famous. That makes you infamous. And that's not, yep. I mean, unfortunately it's good either way because people know who you are. Yeah. It's about the notoriety. And that was the interesting point too, is mm-hmm. the things they want to be known for and then the things you find out about them. Mm-hmm. Like with John Wilkes Booth in particular, that it was all about the tyranny of this Northern president and what he did to the South. And people were like, or is it because you got bad reviews and you weren't that good of an actor? Yeah, it's the bad reviews. Yeah. It's the bad reviews. We all know it's the bad reviews. Yeah. So, it's yeah. It's like maybe something else was going on that wasn't this. Yeah, this is this is honestly the only Sondheim musical that I have enjoyed. Yeah, I know. What does that say about me? Mark Gagliardi of... Uh, of we, got, we this. got this and the thrilling adventure hour. He really likes this one and he mm-hmm. talks about it a lot. 
Yeah. You know, he's a musical theater guy, and well, Assassins yeah. is one of his go-to references. Now, granted, I haven't seen every Sondheim yeah. musical, but I have seen... Well, everybody's seen West Side Story. Um, he did the lyrics of, the, of that. Um, what I didn't I, know of was the one that tried to assassinate Nixon. Oh, right. Yeah, what was his name? Charlie, who was the, the drunk Santa, basically. Yeah. Um, Samuel Bick. Sam yeah, Dick. I remembered. I, I I knew, but I didn't remember. Remember? Yeah, sort of failed tire salesman or something like that. And he would record messages to all these famous people because he's just out of his mind. And he and he'd expect responses from them because yeah. he was just that gone. Yep. But his performance so good. Oh, so good. Yep. Even ad libbing when he was you know drinking and driving and he. Threw a can down and it went too far. Actually, he set it down and yep. it fell down. Oh, and it rolled. fell down and rolled, and he went, yep. oh, "This is a very long car." Yeah, because he had to go get it. Yep, it was, and funny. it was just off the cuff. Like I heard him talking to somebody else afterwards. He's like, "I can't believe that came out of my mouth." It's yep. just like I was thinking it, and all of a sudden it's coming out of my mouth. I'm like, "Yeah, I know, yep. I know that feeling." Yeah. Um, People liked it. Yeah. It made that show unique. But yeah, did. his performance is just captivating all, all of them were yeah because it was just him rambling into a tape deck yep and then occasionally losing it and then you could see him reeling it back in just on that edge of sanity but, yeah yeah yep so we so, enjoyed the a, a sondheim musical yeah that's the first for me because let's see what i've seen i've seen west side story i've seen a little night music oh, into I've the woods into the woods and a company company mm-hmm. Merrily we roll along, <laughs> and this. Yep. These the, are the assassins. Yeah. Actually, a decent show. Yeah. Uh, what else? Okay. Do you have something new you added? Best. Well, let me look at the list. Where's my list? Uh, oh yes, 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 yes. This goes under the TV thing. The TV. Um, we need to talk about our flag means oh, death. Oh, flag means death. We just finished the first season. Yes, I'm ready for season two right now. We binged the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody says, it's really great, and it goes gay quick, and it's just wonderful. It's so great. I love it so much. Just the characters just shine, and the humor is right what, what you would expect from, you know, this band of, of brothers. New Zealanders. Uh, yeah. Well, they're, I mean, they're, they're not all New Zealanders like, say, what we do in the Shadows yep. movie was. Or like Wellington Paranormal is like they had some SNL alumni like Fred Armisen and Leslie Jones yeah. and various and sundry other people, some British even, um, some Americans. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this show! I love it so much. Yeah, and now I can understand all of the fan art. Mm-hmm. It's, it has so much heart. It does, and I I swear to God, this is Taika's best role. Yeah, him as Blackbeard is just wonderful. He's so good. I think he doesn't get enough credit for how good of an actor he, he's he is. He's a chameleon because he's in something else we're going to talk about, too. Yes, he is. Yes, and he so is. as an actor, I mean, as a director, he's fantastic. And mm-hmm. then you get him as an actor and it's like, oh, I get it. I get why you can direct because you understand actors. And, and can sing. He's a triple threat, yeah. this one. Yeah. But I've always liked him ever since What We Do in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. There was just something about it. Yeah, the characters. I mean... That from Blackbeard to you know his vampire role is like their night and day. Mm-hmm. Rich guy who was forced into an arranged marriage and is not happy and wants to be a pirate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> abandons his family, has a ship built, 
and goes off to be a pirate. He finds yeah. a, hires a crew. <laughs> yep. Uh, a motley crew, one might say. Mm-hmm. And wackiness ensues. Yeah, he's got a fireplace in his captain's cabin. Yep. And, and a library. And a library. It's like, you have an open flame on a ship at sea? He's like, hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just kind of shrugs. Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, eventually they do cross paths with Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. Who's played by Taika. And who's fascinated by him. From all these stories he hears of this this gentleman pirate. He's like, what is with this guy? Mm-hmm. And he's just enthralled. Yep. They become enthralled with each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Okay, you gotta commit though. You gotta give me something. You've got to. And finally, yep. in episode nine of mm-hmm. ten, yep. finally get that confirmation. But you know, it's just a lot of, it's just a lot of getting really close to it, rubbing it against <laughs> it, but not fully committing. And then finally, it fully commits. Yes. So I appreciate that because it wasn't gay baiting. They they do pay it off. Yeah. They do pay it off. Yep. So. So there's that. Um, so good. I don't want to say anything more about it. No, there's a lot of surprises. It's funny. It's got heart. Yes. It's occasionally very brutally violent, but in that kind of slaps, slapstick using gore for humor fashion. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's great. Yep. It's great. Just go watch it. It's on HBO Max. Yeah. It kind of uses violence the same way as what we do in The Shadows does. Yeah. Ex- for com- I, comedic effect. I think that's kind of his thing. Yeah. That's kind of Taika's thing. Yeah. And uh, he did, he is an executive producer and did direct some of the episodes and, which is a hard thing to do, direct oh, and, yeah. and, and, direct and, and star in so something. It's yeah. difficult. It is difficult. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. I love it. And you should go look for Our Flag Means Death fan art. You oh. will be overjoyed. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a lot of Disco Elysium fan art because of how often I post about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's like the Twitter algorithm is going, oh, you like this. Here's an image. Yeah. And so I'm seeing a lot of Disco Elysium fan art, and it's just great. Yeah. Well, just go look for Our Flag Means Death fan nice. art, because you will love it. You will love it. Nice. It's so great. Uh, well, let's just roll into Free Guy, then. Yeah, Free Guy. Oh, yes. my God. I can't believe we waited this long to watch this movie. Yeah. I fucking loved it. Speaking of Taika Waititi, he plays, like, this game developer CEO. Oh, and he's horrible. Yeah, he's horrible guy. Horrible guy. Oh my god, so bad. Yeah, just brutalizing his uh, staff. Yeah, I've never seen him like that. It was he scared me. Yeah, he scared me. I did not like. He's, that's why he's such a mm-hmm. good actor. It's just like, oh no. Yeah, this video game mogul who buys this one property and supposedly shelved it, but is actually using its engine mm-hmm. without, to run his own without paying the people who yeah. created said engine. Yeah. But this yeah. this game engine is supposed to have like an AI kind of quality to it where it will generate free thinking virtual characters. And mm-hmm. our Ryan Reynolds is one such character. He's got the code in him. So he eventually starts going off book and doing things unexpectedly. And everybody thinks he's a player like another player who's just going around being a nice guy. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I don't want to spoil anything yep. in case you haven't seen it. If you are a gamer, a video gamer, this will have even more relevance and meaning. Um, yeah, because I could see if you're not into video gaming at all, you might bump into a few things. Because mm-hmm. they really do talk about, you know, the code and and Easter eggs and stuff like that. You know, very 
gamer related stuff and there's a lot of easter eggs in there like the guy randomly jumping into a wall <laughs> the, the background stuff mm. is mwah. yeah <laughs> so good so so good you know i'll watch ryan reynolds in anything yeah. he it doesn't matter what it is even if it's not a good movie he's good in it mm-hmm. it's just the ryan reynolds effect and it even in- turned out to be a very interesting love story in a way you might not expect Agreed. So. Yeah, I was. It's got Steve the babysitter in it. Yeah, it does have Steve the babysitter. <laughs> it's like, what me, do I know him it from? It took me the entire fucking movie well, to figure it out. When he was playing a slick back, it was kind of like, mm, I don't like him. And then you're like, later on, I do like him. Yeah. So. it's. It, I think that the thing was his hair was different and it was darker. Mm hmm. And so we just did not recognize right. him. If you don't know, we're talking about Steve the Babysitter from Stranger Things. A yep. character that I did not like at first, but then and he ends up being a decent guy. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah. He's very good in this movie as well. It's very fun. It's, it's funny. Fun. It's got a lot of jokes for video gamers. There are things that made me squeal with glee mm-hmm. in the climax. Oh, yes. And I can't talk about them because nope. if you haven't seen it, I just want you to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's on both Disney Plus and HBO Max. Yeah, so. I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun film. I it wasn't was... sure if I w- was going to or not. Reminds me a lot of the Lego movie. Mm. Kind of has that same sort of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, like it. I like, like the it. guy who just is just like everybody else and then finds out he's not. Yeah. That he's special. One day he wakes up, so and to then, speak. Yeah. So, kind of similar story beats as to that. So, very good. All right. Guess what else we've finally seen? What else have we finally Spider-Man? Spider-Man. 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 I think it uses references and fan service well. Yes. Because it is the story. It is the basis of why things are happening. It's not just crowbarred in just to make the reference. Mm Mm-hmm. There's purpose behind it, and there are stakes involved. Yes. And it's interesting how Spider-Man No Way Home treats the Tom Holland Spider-Man differently than other mm-hmm. Spider-Men. Mm-hmm. That he is very unique compared to others. That he's not about you know defeating the enemy as much as saving them. Well, and that's... that. The interesting thing is, is that in multiple realities, Aunt May is mm-hmm. part of... Feast, which is a homeless shelter that also is providing resources for feeding people, helping Mm -hmm. them get back on their feet, get jobs, housing, etc. So that's her big cause. That's Mm -hmm. where she is most of the time. And uh, that's part of the video games. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, I avoided most spoilers. The spoilers I could not avoid was that... Alfred Molina. Uh, uh, Alfred Molina was was back and uh, Willem Dafoe was back as their characters from uh, Spider-Man 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. And I should have guessed, I should have guessed that we'd get Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really know where this was going until they actually showed up. And I'm just like... Fuck yes. <laughs> <Yep>. Well done. <laughs> and there's even a reference to, is there, do you think there's a black Spider-Man out there somewhere? It's like, yeah. Well, see, no, that's the thing. It was he, it was Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man, talking to um, Electro. Electro after yeah. he'd been depowered. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I don't know, you fighting for the little guy and helping the poor? I thought you was black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Um, Matt Murdock was another spoiler I had. Yeah. I Well, there were rumors. Yeah. And so it wasn't necessarily 100% a spoiler, but it was really nice to see mm-hmm. Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock yep. again. Even and catching a brick that was thrown through the window. Yeah. And they just all look at him like, that was he, weird. Because he was explaining to Peter that he was going to need a really good lawyer and then you hear a commotion outside and somebody throws a brick through the window, which he catches. And, and they're like, how do you do that? I'm a really good lawyer. And you can see the fallout from this, you know, the opening of all these other universes, you know, the multiverse rolling into the next Doctor Strange. Yep. Yeah. And that is Peter's fault. That is Peter's fault. And he will... This movie broke me. Yeah, you were devastated. I was extremely devastated. It took me some time Mm -hmm. to process, and I'm still upset about it. Yeah. Because here's the thing I hate about superhero movies is trying to protect the people that you love by not getting involved in their lives. Guess what? That doesn't work. It does not work. It does not work. Live your fucking life. So yeah, the ending of this just broke you. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm glad we did not see that in a theater because I would have just been shouting at the screen. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? That's going to be so loud. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. You're going to have to deamplify that a lot so that it doesn't blow out people's eardrums. Yeah. That particular part. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, guys. So, yeah. It's only like, oh gosh, a couple of weeks from today that we're going to be seeing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Speaking of multiverses. Yeah. (laughs) Let's roll on into the next thing that we're absolutely not even going to talk about. We saw everything everywhere all at once. And I think people do know that it deals with multiverse theory and quantum mechanics. But that's about where we're going to stop saying Mm -hmm. anything about it other than it has Michelle Yeoh in it. Mm -hmm. And it is incredible. Mm -hmm. It is Kind of like how Pixar movies are in that there's a little bit of everything. Yes. And how like classic Disney was that way too. At least 90s Disney was. How it offered you thrills and chills and comedy and drama and romance. It's like everything everywhere all at once. Yes. And we strongly recommend that you do not seek out any information about this film before seeing it. It was like going into The Matrix without knowing exactly the ins and outs of The Matrix. The satisfaction you got of watching something like that and learning of that world Yeah. in the theater seat. It's expertly filmed. Oh, well, it's the Russos, for one thing. Well, no, no they, they worked were, on it. They were producers. Yeah. They were not directors. Yeah. It was The Daniels were the yeah, directors. The Daniels were the directors. Um, it was unbelievably well edited yes and you can't say why please don't no well we are talking about a multiverse so i think editing you can kind of extrapolate what that means yes so i just would prefer not to say anything about it because (laughs) you're better off just going in blind and the locations too are surprising oh my god yes it's like where a lot of the story takes place you're going really there it's michelle yo at its best at, at her best excuse me um 
just I don't even know how to describe it. Even even if we were going to spoil stuff, I still don't know how to describe this film. Just go see it. Yeah. Just go see it. All there is to that. Yeah, go see it. It's really great. It really, really is. Really, really super is. Okay, it's video game corner for me now. Okay. Okay. So I have been playing, well, actually, I have finished but not done everything in a game that is uh, relatively new called Ghostwire Tokyo. This is one that is specifically for PlayStation 5. So unfortunately, darling, unless you get a PlayStation 5, (laughs) you're not going to be able to play it anytime soon Um, because proprietary. Anyway, (laughs) so I didn't know a whole lot about it. I watched a trailer for it and I'm like, oh, this is like right up my alley because it's fucked up. It's, it's fucked up. And it takes place basically in the Tokyo district of Shibuya for the most part. And uh, all over Tokyo, people have just disappeared. Like all that's left behind is their clothing. They get hit with this fog and they just, their bodies disappear. And there's nothing but their clothing left behind. And uh, yeah, the, the main character is uh, Akito, who was dead, but... Another spirit who had been pushed out of his body is like, oh, this one's not quite dead. Let's just, uh, let's do this one. And so reanimates his body, but also reanimates the mind. And so they're sharing the body now. But uh, the spirit has magical abilities that help you fight these things called visitors, which are out of every Japanese horror image you can think of. <laughs> There's just wrong. There's just so much wrong. Um, I did talk about this actually, I think, in our last episode, but I have now finished the entire game. And there isn't it isn't really a multiple ending sort of thing. The game is always going to end in the same way no matter how you right. get to that. Point. Yeah, Disco Lee seems like that. With and that's some small tweaks, but yeah. mostly the ending is about the same. Well, that, that's fine. You know, I don't have a problem with that. Paths are many. Truth is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, the things that I really appreciate about it is that it's also an education on Japanese history and culture. Yeah. Because you have all of these, um, I mean, basically this, the city doesn't have any people in it. You're the only person in it now, besides the crazy guy who's trying to remove the barrier between this world and the next and uh, get his wife and daughter back, his daughter whom he killed. (sighs) Anyway, you never see his face. Mm. never see his face. But uh, he's definitely crazy. He's a crazy-ass motherfucker. I do appreciate that it was also translated into like eight other languages besides English and that the people who were doing the English versions of the voices were all Japanese or Asian. Some of them might have been Chinese, but they were all of Asian descent. And that's why all of the words were pronounced correctly. Mm-hmm. Like you would see Akido and you would, as an American, you would say that's Akido. No, it's Akido. Akido. The emphasis always on the first yep. syllable. There Sakura. are no exceptions. No exceptions. Sakura. Like people would say, uh, Sakura. No, it's Sakura. Sakura. Yeah. Long story short, I fought a lot of ghosts and monsters, visitors, and there are all these magical cats around Meow. Shibuya called Nekomara that uh, want you to find things for them. They're collectors. They want you to find these these things for them. And all of these things are these just these weird objects. Like there's one that's specifically after dolls. There's one that's specifically after shiny things. There's one that's specifically after weapons. And mm. and so, and every time you find one of these things, it makes us, oh, 
certain way so that you know you found it. And I'm like, oh, good, I found it accidentally. Now, where the fuck is it? And you have to try and find it. And um, it is hilarious. And everything, of course, when you pick it up, you can, it, it has a description of what it is, why it's significant. So I appreciated that. Nice. Yeah, the Yakuza games are a bit that way. It's just tons of Japanese culture just right in your face. You know, I read a, a, a review about that aspect of Ghostwire Tokyo, and they did compare it with what uh, happens in the Yakuza games as mm-hmm. well, and said that those that series of Yakuza games and this game were better at showing true Japanese culture and history yep. than games like Ghost of Tsushima and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's more culturally correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I I really had a lot of fun with this game, even as much as it freaked me the fuck out. You know I love a good freak out. Mm-hmm. And the sound that, that the, the visitors make Ooh. when they're nearby because and it, it comes through the screen and through the speaker and the controller mm-hmm. so it's got this weird echoey thing going Ooh. on that's oh kind of ringu-ish sort of but not mm-hmm. it's just it's so, i get really good with my bow and arrow too so there's a part in the game where um, your your magic buddy gets kicked out at the body and uh, taken away and you have to go find him again. And all you can do is use your bow and arrow. You got no Twang. magic. And magic is your main way of taking things down in this game. Yeah, I was, you were show, well, I was in the room watching you play and you were doing the celestial writing mm-hmm. type magic, which is very Tao. But putting a magical character on a bit of parchment and putting that parchment on the ghost to Mm -hmm. exorcise them. Yep. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful game. And there have been critics who have said, oh, well, it's it's got flawed gameplay. I wouldn't say flawed gameplay. I would say that the gameplay is kind of samey, but that's fine with me because I don't want it to get harder and harder to do new moves. You know what I mean? Yeah, where it gets a little overly complex like some of the Final Fantasy games get. Yeah, see what I want in an RPG such as this is here is how you do this move. Mm -hmm. Now, as time goes by and you gain experience and go up levels, this move is going to get easier and (laughs) it's going to do more damage. That's That's how I like it. Yeah, it's like earlier Yakuza games were butt mashers when it came to combat. Mm -hmm. And this latest edition, the Like a Dragon one, because the main character is obsessed with video games it actually has turn-based systems like the old like final <laughs> fantasy 7 stuff yes. where you can actually select magics and things so yeah yeah i like prefer that stuff it's really fun yeah like even abilities to heal others like group or single healing yep i just uh, really appreciated the game Re- very much enjoyed it and uh, and all of the two-tailed magical floating cats that mm-hmm. ran the convenience stores and wanted me to collect things for them as well. Ooh, the, I think if they're two tails, they're Bakaneko. I think then they're like guardians of the dead and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, what they were doing is just hanging out 
Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there's no people here. I guess I'm running this convenience store now. guess there's like a legend that if they reach nine years old or something like that, they'll kill their master. Yeah. Well, yeah. these cats were not violent. Yeah. Um, it is It is really funny because, you know, you could hear them a mile away. Meow, 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 meow. It's talking in meows. Yes. Not how cats actually talk. Which, <laughs> hear outside every once in a while. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's other stuff I haven't finished yet, and I'm just taking a break from it because I have finished the story, which made me cry mm-hmm. uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, I don't expect there to be a sequel. There's there's no reason to make a sequel. This is just like a standalone game, which, again, I appreciate. Yeah. And I just had a really good time with it, and I was very impressed with it. And I think uh, I think people should quit shitting on it because it's a good game. And Video Game Corner, for me, I platinumed Disco Elysium. Yes, you did. I got every achievement, including the Final Cut stuff. Mm-hmm. Which has achievements like cause a shitstorm, which means when you're all alone, Kim's not anywhere around, you go to this tree at Land's End on the west coast after you cross the canal, and you pick up some dirt to throw at some seagulls. You do that three times, and they bombard you by shitting all over you. Of course they do. Yeah. So. I, I figured when you said cause a shitstorm, it meant that literally. Mm-hmm. And it does you get just bombarded with seagull shit <laughs> and, and it tells you serves you right yeah yep. so i managed to do all the sorry cop the apocalypse cop and the fascist cop and the ultra liberal cop which was one of the funniest when i became an art dealer <laughs> And ended up selling art for stock shares, which I think I had like 20,000 in stocks. Oh my god. Over selling this little piece of fabric done by Cindy the Skull. That had to be one of my favorite side quests, which is funny because I hate that shit in real life, mm-hmm. but it was still funny mm-hmm. as hell. It's like, oh, my guy's super rich now. He can just live off these stocks shares for the rest of his life, but he's he's a cop. Oh, there's another one where I contacted the, this is the moral intern one, which is kind of the social Democrat group who are all about moderate change over a long period of time. (laughs) So things are progressing just very, very, very slowly because that's the only way they take. Mm -hmm. You can't have revolutionary change. It's got to be just by inches that I contacted them and they sent their airship and extracted me and that was the end of the game. Kim's left there going, but, but, because <laughs> we don't solve the case. He's like, um, uh, okay then, bye. I guess I'll do this on my own. <laughs> yeah. Good times. <laughs> so, yeah, platinum, 100% of the game. Of course. And do like a game you can actually 100% because sometimes it's like, okay, that's impossible what you're asking me to do. I don't care about the trophies. Yeah, Yeah, it's fun to unlock one, Mm -hmm. especially when you're not expecting to do so. Oh, yeah. When you do something, it's like, oh, wow, got a trophy for that? Yeah. but (laughs) Just just, for saying I'm sorry 12 times? I, I have never in the history of me owning a PlayStation 4 or later, I have never platinumed anything mm. i don't care yeah i don't, don't care, care that much that's not important yeah. to me yeah that's part of the gameplay for me yeah i get that yeah. it's just 
you know, we're opposites in that regard. Yeah. It holds no importance for me. It doesn't enhance my enjoyment of the game. If anything, it detracts from it. <laughs> yeah, because it comes a chore. Yeah, exactly. It's like the one where you have to disappoint Kim. No, like, no cool. Yeah. No cool. You just have to be so mean to him. It's no, like, I don't oh, like it. that hurts. Don't like it. Hurts the soul. Don't like it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dark Trek time? Dark Trek time. This dark track comes from a band called Every New Dead Ghost. They were around from late 80s to early 90s for about five years. Very much basing their musical inspiration off of post-punk and early goth bands. You can definitely hear it. Kind of has a Batcave vibe to them. This is off a live album that one of the members released on Last FM a while ago. Hmm. He's like, oh, I was digging around and found this. Here you go. <laughs> Here's this for free. Just download it. Enjoy it. So, yeah, it's uh, the song Assassin by Every New Dead band, Ghost. But we don't give a toss, to be honest. So. Right, this next song's called Assassin. This is about someone who kills mooses for money. I agree, Jay.
What a crowd at the start, huh? <laughs> the booing fun. them and stuff, and just here's a song about just someone gets paid to kill mooses, <laughs> <laughs> and then they get cheers after the song. Is like, mm-hmm. ah. and that whole album, that whole live album, has that kind of weird, belligerent interaction with the crowd. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's just their vibe. Yeah, I understand. Pig face shows are like that. That it's almost uh, cantankerous or, you know, just have kind of a wild interaction with the crowd on yeah. stage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd like it. Pretty straightforward kind of gothic rock. Close to death rock almost. Got a very strong punk undertone to it. Yes. Yeah. Hi, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And I'm Hal Lublin. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, We Got This. Our plan is to provide irrefutable answers to irrelevant arguments. The final say on dumb debates. So don't worry, we got this. No topic is too small and no argument is too petty for us to tackle. You might be asking yourself, who are you two to make these decisions for all of humanity? That's easy, we're actors. So subscribe to We Got This on iTunes so you don't miss a single episode of us telling you what's best for you. Relax, the world, we got this. Oh, shall we get into the main topic then? Okie dokie. We are going back to the tarot with the tarot card. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the tower. The tower. The 16th card of the tarot is the tower. whose image is that of a tall structure being struck by lightning with a couple, usually a man and a woman, diving from the tower as it explodes and breaks up into pieces. And at the base is often this rocky outcrop with crashing waves beating against it. So it gives the impression of being something like maybe a lighthouse Mm, being struck by lightning and being destroyed. It does seem very much like that, yes. Yes. Uh, There are some additional images involved as well, depending on the designer. There might be kind of like 22 blocks flying about the place that represents the Hebrew alphabet Hmm. and suggests that this is a power or like word of god kind of thing that is not of the earthly realm Mm. that it's not earthly powers that is devastating this structure but something supernatural right meaning seems pretty obvious it's calamity uh destruction sudden change irreversible change Mm. a sudden event often a groundbreaking kind of event and in a reading can represent a revelation or a breakthrough or disillusionment of having the thing you previously thought true to be shown a lie. It could be discovering that your partner might be cheating on you kind of thing, that they've been unfaithful. It could be that maybe you're of a certain faith and you have that faith shaken and have to re-examine what your belief system is 
which happens, you know, sometimes to evangelical Christians as they'll come to terms with their own faith and wonder really if it's something they still believe or not. Mm. And often this could be something kind of striking, like maybe some kind of controversy in their church, like maybe there's abuse or other scandal within their own church and they have to reevaluate, okay, do I still believe this thing or has it been shown to me as a lie? Maybe you're of a particular political disposition and you have to confront what your politics mean. (laughs) And how it might hurt and injure people, and you might have to scrap that and rebuild again. So while it can be extremely devastating and just to have your worldview shattered, that at least you're left with the possibility of rebuilding, mm-hmm. of constructing something more authentic and more true. So however much chaos and destruction seems involved in the tower presented in our reading there is opportunity to build from that leveled structure again <laughs> it's kind of like if you're playing a video game and it crashed and got lost all your data and you'd have to just start over again yeah it's like well maybe i'll start differently and go a different route this time yeah that's always a choice yep there are not a lot of variations in the artwork as Mm -hmm. far as different versions of the tarot card of the tower there are a few that are very eye sour on Uh, i could see that like there is a lord of the rings tarot which i guess you could play as a card game too never figured that out i think you still have it yeah, but it's... Uh, yeah, very Eye of Sauron. There, there's a few that have a floaty eye at the top of the tower. Yeah. Um, there's another one. Mm-hmm. So... And it just shows that, you know, the power is something unearthly. Mm-hmm. This awareness, because an eye often represents that. Yes. Especially if it's like a third eye, open to the other realm. Yeah, there's another one with an eye. I have to find it. Oh, there's another one with mm-hmm. an eye. Yep. Oh, there's a cat one with two cat yes, figures there, jumping cat out of the one. tower. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and a pair of individuals, you know, like a, a man and a woman, are represented in a lot of the tarot cards. We had the lovers, we had the devil, and now we have the tower Yeah. with two figures jumping out. And there's another one that has an eye above, which kind of suggests maybe judgment of being something aware of what you're doing and, and using its judgment, its wrath to wreak havoc on whatever structure you've built. It's very Tower of Babel. Yes. You know, build up this tower to reach heaven, and in your audacity to do so, it is destroyed, which I never understood as to why that would happen. It was hubris of man, I guess. So why would you divide the nations to speak different languages and have misunderstanding just to cause more war? And that's a loving God that did that? Yeah, no. See, there's another weird one with an eye. Yeah, that's kind of old school, like medieval kind of design to it. Very medieval. And very blood red water at the base of it. Yeah. And an eye above the tower as the tower's in flames from what it looks like. Yeah. Maybe. It's This is the weirdest one I've seen. That one's really bizarre because there's like lights of radiance coming from the eye. Yeah. And then there are various hebrew letters throughout doesn't mm-hmm. it look like yeah oh that's something else uh astrology wise it the tower is connected to mars which that of course sense. is the god of war but also is a symbol of 
violent reaction to external stimulus. Mm, interesting. Uh, numerologically, it connects to the seventh card of the tarot because if we're doing what? This is 16, so 6 plus 1 is 7, which is the strength card, which represents patience, perseverance, courage. As you can see, All of them, the, those things you will need to survive the tower. Yeah, a very feminine card, uh, strength is often representing a, a red-haired woman. There's the connection to Mars again, uh, holding the a lion in her hands, often by the jaw, mm. you know, to tame it, to prevent it from biting. Right. So it's interesting that you can have that two sides of the coins, like how we had the lovers with the devil. Here we have the tower with strength. Is like, yeah, here's this horrible event that's going to raise the foundations of your belief into nothing but here's the strength and perseverance to carry on uh, for the minor arcana of course it represents the seven cards of the four suits the seven of swords being deception and betrayal oh she's showing me another one with an eye kind of eye of horus or egyptian eye as figures die from this tower in flames horrifying this yeah. one yep do not like this so yeah seven of swords deception and betrayal seven of cups a uh, possibility mm. so if you wipe the slate clean what's the possibilities of rebuilding you know what can you do in, in its stead mm. 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 like if you have a horrible divorce it's like well now you're free of that <laughs> You're free of your ex, and so what might you want to do? If you get fired from your job, a horrible thing to happen. However, now you can maybe find something else that you enjoy doing for a living. You know, there's always this silver lining around whatever horrible thing happens. Seven of Wands, defending one's position, opposition. Uh, kind of a political <laughs> card. Yeah. I think strife is another way I've seen it described. Uh, seven of coins investment effort and sunken cost so hmm. how much do you want to invest in something that's destined to failure and how much are you willing to invest in something new that's something else about this card in a reading is if it comes on early on maybe it's a warning sign hmm. that something is amiss in your life like maybe there's some problems with the relationship and you should get out early before you get in too deep <laughs> You know, you know, maybe break off an engagement. There's some warning signs that, hey, this is not the person you thought they were. If you marry this person, it could be bad. Or maybe you're getting hints that you might want to leave this church finally. That maybe they're not queer affirming and that's been bothering you. And maybe you should move on to something more affirming. You know, maybe not just get rid of your faith entirely. Just find a more loving form of that religion. Yeah. more accepting form of that religion uh, in pop culture media and real life you see the tower represented we already talked about the tower of babel 9-11 is a pretty clear real life example of a tower-like event and how catastrophic and how that changed the world yeah. even now mm -hmm. the way people use fear over some of the smallest things like we're still removing our shoes at airports yeah. Even now, like mm, how is that helping? Twenty years after the event, yeah. for maybe one person attempting a dumb shoe bomb trick. Yeah, it's like we're still doing this. We're still not carrying so much liquid onto airplanes. Yeah. Well, the th the thing that's weird to me is that with shoes, 
They make you go through a thing that scans your mm. entire body. Yeah. Why do I have to take my shoes off for that? Mm -hmm. If there's anything in my shoes, you're going to be able to see it. <laughs> I have two kind of Star Wars examples because I do like to tie in the tarot to Star Wars because they're both very heroes journey uh relevant they both kind of follow that story arc you know the the fool's journey and the hero's journey are very similar with representations of going from naive youth to uh well actuated well actuated adult um the death star being one mm -hmm. and of course alderaan being the other yeah just complete obliteration of a structure in kind of two different ways you know the death star destroying alderaan and killing so much you know innocent lives while the death star being the polar opposite of that and kind of meeting its own fate that it sealed itself <laughs> yeah uh anything else you can think of talking about the tower card um, I feel like there's something that's at the edge of my consciousness and I yep. can't quite find it. I know in the Osho Zen, it uses breakthrough instead because the Osho Zen likes positive messaging. Yeah. <laughs> and it's rare that it'll have a negative image. It's definitely not something that is used properly in films and television. Because mm. generally... You know, if they're pulling a bad card, you know it's always the death card. It's always fucking the death card. Yep. I have seen once, <laughs> once, when they pulled the tarot card, wasn't it the an tower. episode of, oh yeah, wasn't it an episode of Psych that they pulled the death card and they said, oh, it just means transformation. Yeah, but that's <laughs> one time. But there's only one time mm -hmm. when they pulled a bad card and that was card was the tower. tower. Mm -hmm. We saw one recently that was what the hangman reversed. Mm-hmm. Forget what we were watching. But... I don't know. Oh, no. It was Nightmare Alley, I think. Wasn't that the one where they had the hangman reversed? I think so. Which means you're basically stuck in a, a pattern. Yeah. 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 The, the tower is a can be a very frightening card, and it's not one you want to see come up in your readings no. as a general yeah, rule. Yeah, because it usually means some kind of calamity or revelation. Yeah. It, um, can, it can mean, hey, pay attention to yeah. this. But it, it's... It doesn't mean anything good. It mm -hmm. may be the gateway for something good to move in, but it in, a, in and of itself, it's not good. Like the um, insurrection, the attack on the Capitol was a tower instance for me. Yeah. Because it just kind of revealed something at the underbelly, which we already kind of saw in some things, like some things that were happening in Michigan. You know, there, there were rumbles here and there of what's going on in this country but that one was like holy shit yeah so the oklahoma bombing was a pretty bad one mm -hmm. uh, white guy yep so yeah it's a can be a calamitous event that can be you know shake the world shake the foundations uh pearl harbor you know there's uh yeah just events that are devastating and have a ripple effect Yep. But can kind of clear the path, too, to maybe not do that again? <laughs> yeah, maybe. And that may work for individuals, but for humanity as a whole, yeah. we do not learn from our mistakes. Yeah, keep repeating the same mistakes over yeah. and over again, which we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do Book not Book banning learn. and things like that. Yeah. And... Well, that's, that's the thing. Fascism wants to get yep. its hold on us, mm -hmm. and it wants us not to fight back. Yeah. 
Yep, and it'll pick pick out the most vulnerable. It's like that. There's a reason they're going after children. Mm-hmm. Going after children to protect children. It's like no, they're going after children. Yeah, they're because they're literally weak. Yeah, going after children. They can't defend themselves like adults can. So look who they attack. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was it one trans athlete was the cause of all these bannings and all these weird bathroom rules and all this shit over one athlete? Who was the one that founded the the sports team? Mm-hmm. It's like, just, it's sick and wrong. It is sick and wrong and stop fucking doing it. Yep. And why are you sexualizing that? <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Yep. Stop sexualizing children. God, you're so fucking sick yep was it kentucky that tried to pass some child bride laws it's only because of public outcry across the nation that it they turned it down or didn't pass Mm -hmm. Ugh, yeah beware of what people will accuse you of because often that's what they're doing themselves yeah that's that's the thing any anybody that's like uh pointing my finger Mm -hmm. oh you're terrible you're a child molester oh no 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 That finger is being pointed back at that person. Oh, all these people that are jumping on the calling everybody groomers when they've ignored sexual abuses in their own churches, mm-hmm. in their own colleges and universities uh-huh. and other schools. Oh, yeah. Completely look the other way, but suddenly because there's some political thing to be gained and a way to serve an authoritarian regime, suddenly yeah. the tables have turned and it's the other people doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think we talked enough about the tower. Yeah. You know, we kind of burned through that. And I didn't go over the whole rigmarole about what the tarot means and all that stuff. Because by now... You don't, you know by now. And if you yeah. don't, you can find it online. Yeah, I mean, really. we've already discussed the uh, the basics of the tarot, tarot in previous episodes. So what do you think? Shout outs? Shout outs. Hey! Hey! My shout out is to Equal Opportunity Dork, one of my... Twitter mutuals that has been engaging with me recently online. So do like to occasionally mention some of my mutuals on Twitter. Nice. Uh, my shout out is to Bruce Gibson. You can find him at Admiral underscore Rex on Twitter if you so desire. Uh, he uh, he crashed our unready room party a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because uh, he was at uh, Star Trek Mission Chicago, which I am so very jealous that mm-hmm. he got to be there i'm so glad that he got to be there i'm not upset that he was there i just am jealous and uh he just because he always has an open invitation to come Mm -hmm. and do the unready room with me and dan and so and when uh when dan sends out the link for the show and for the actual um stream yard link he, it's always in a group chat with the three of us. Oh, nice. So Bruce always has access to it. And he decided to jump in a couple of weeks ago. And I just squealed my little head off. I was just so happy to see him. <laughs> because it's been far too long since I've seen him. And I miss him. Because I wouldn't be doing live shows all if it weren't for him. Right. Honestly. Because the person I was supposed to do Live from the Edge with when I was back at Trek FM bowed out because Mm. of things going on in his personal life and business so they asked bruce to do it and he said yes and a partnership was born yeah you guys uh hit it off immediately because you both have improv experience and all this and both love track which is yeah goes to 
I don't, don't even have to speak on. Yeah, and and we we realized because he already had a great dynamic with Dan because he and Dan used to do the Literary Treks podcast at right. Trek FM. Um, they now do Positively Trek together, which is uh, just as great as it sounds, and they have a book club every other week nice. as well. And when we did an, an episode of Life from the Edge with the three of us, we realized, okay, there's something like magical about this Holy <laughs> Trinity right here. Yeah. So, so I do miss, you know, he got busier with his job. And so we haven't yeah. had him. Uh, he hasn't been able to join as, as much as I would like and as much as Dan would like, I'm sure. Um, but I do adore him. He's still just the best. Yes. And He's I a really great him, dude. And I was so glad to see him a couple weeks ago and still very jealous that he got to go to Mission to Chicago. He makes a fun co-host, too, because he has some really weird ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's His great. theories, his fan theories are out there. Yes, they are. He loves to be out there. Yeah. And that's, I love that about him. Yeah. He's he's always entertaining. Always. Oh, speaking of Mission Chicago, I listened to Yo, Is This Racist with Donnie Newsom. Mm-hmm. She was wasted yeah. after that event because she was all over the place and mm-hmm. she was singing with some folks and yeah. like just had the time of her life. But yeah, when she got back, she was drained. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that was her first convention. Yeah, that's what she was saying. In person mm-hmm. since she became part of the Trek family. Yeah. She says insane and she was so happy to meet so many people and a lot of fans of the podcast was showing up that mm-hmm. weren't even fans of Trek. They were like, oh, Tawny's going to be at this thing. I should go see her. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, wait, you're here for this and not that? So, yep. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Tawny's great. Yeah. Tawny's great. It's like her since spontaneation mm-hmm. that's the where i first heard of her as well when yeah when pop Tompkins would get on her for being a horse girl and you know they they put that in an episode of lower decks <laughs> yep <laughs> one of my favorite episodes horses of love me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that made me so mm-hmm. happy <laughs> it's like you grew up with horses it's like yeah it's like who would have thought like i know and every time somebody would bring that up she'd be like oh and also she lived in chicago for a while because she was doing improv stuff there yeah and so she went to all the chicago places you know yeah she when she was in town so it's like no yeah i'm back home so go hit up this place go hit up that place and well and there's that bar across the street from the place where she used to do improv Mm -hmm. and uh mike mcmahon actually would hang out there nice and this was before they knew each other i think (laughs) and so you know small world yeah chicago chai town yep so so yeah there we go yeah shout outs um that'll be the end of this episode and i'll try to get in a music bonus episode as well before the month ends and then it's going to be our birthday month so who knows what we're going to record for that plus it's going to be world goth day in may i might release the world goth day episode early that way we can enjoy it longer while the month is still there plus star trek strange new world starts on may 5th oh my god oh man maybe we'll talk about that for one of the 13 days do you think you could talk about the first episode for the main show? Absolutely. Okay. All right. And then I'll have to come up with a birthday episode as well. Mm. All right. So, yeah, that'll be May. And uh, take care out there. Yes. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with me, Brandy, and also David Jackola. Follow me on Twitter at BrandyWine12. Brandy is spelled with an I. Dave is at Dark Corner Cast. 
We have a group and a fan page on Facebook. Both are at The Dark Corner Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcasts Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast, The Vedic Assembly, a Deep Space Nine podcast, and What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. You can see me discuss Star Trek Live on the Unready Room and the Kurt Ratz Productions YouTube channel. Kurt Ratz is Star Trek spelled backwards. I host my own podcast, Headcanon, wherein I guide you through the mazes of my mind. The Dark Track was offered for free as a promotional item or submitted by the artist or artist representative. The opening track is unbelievable as covered by Batavia. The closing track is At Last the End as covered by Cat Temper. All other music is used for illustrative purposes and no infringement of copyright is intended. Please subscribe, rate, and review the Dark Corner podcast on Anchor.fm. And thank you for allowing us the time to keep you in the dark.